0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Ikerton Lehman, we jump right into local college football news with Bob Stoops, Roy Williams, and Josh Heupel being on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot. We discuss the entire situation at Oklahoma State with Chuba Hubbard and Mike Gundy. We break down the big national stories in college football: more players speaking up, Iowa Parting Ways with Chris Doyle, and the official approval of the six-week preseason plan. We wet the beak and talk some sports gambling, give you our winners and losers of the week, and let you know about a big event coming to Guthrie this weekend and keeping it local. As always, we finish with your Twitter questions. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Oste will kick this thing off It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, June 18th. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. That's not right. It's Wednesday night, but you know what? <laughs> I'm keeping that in. Uh, just a reminder, if your business is interested in sponsoring the podcast during football season, email Teddy and me at the Oklahoma Breakdown at gmail.com. That's theoklahomabreakdown at gmail.com. Okay, Ted, let's talk some football, shall we, sir?
1: Let's do it. I'm ready, man. Uh, luckily, we can talk some actual football. A little bit. Just we'll, a I mean, little we'll, bit. We'll had some put some uh, football in between politics, right?
0: Oh, oh please, God, no. Um,
1: <laughs> let's start with local college football
0: news. Uh, some exciting news for Oklahoma fans. Bob Stoops, Josh Heupel, and Roy Williams are all on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot. Now, there's a lot of other people on the ballot, too. A lot of deserving people, for sure. Uh, you've got some other big names on there, like Ray Lewis, Carson Palmer, Champ Bailey, Julius Peppers, Sebastian Janikowski, even. We've got Kickers on here, Ted. And another notable coach, Gary Pinkle. But clearly, we're worried about the OU guys. Do you like their chances? I mean, you we have to love... Bob Stoops' chances going in the first time he's on the ballot, right? I mean, he's a legendary coach in college football. He's got to be in.
1: I I think Bob is in without a doubt. You know, his long career, uh, obviously winning a national championship in there, plenty of other great seasons. Uh, You look at the list of players for him, uh, national award winners, all Americans, uh, you know, was just Oklahoma was super relevant over his literally entire tenure uh you know you had 20 years where even on years where they were down by oklahoma standards like an eight the years five. the
0: years i was there
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean most most schools have you know we, we look at texas who likes to try and compare themselves but they have five and seven seasons uh scattered in there you know um bob was just unbelievable even even during what uh, we would call the low years still were, you know, a lot of those seasons started off as like number one, number two, uh, at least top five in the polls. So super relevant. And, you know, coach-wise, if we're, if we're picking between Bob and Gary Pinkle, I mean, come, come on, on. Right? I mean, with come all on. all due respect to, to Gary, uh, did a pretty good job there at Missouri, but it's not even close in my opinion. But, dude, the list of players is like – Pretty much, right there, knocking on the door of some of the best to ever do it at their given position. I mean, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly a crowded field. I, I do like Roy Williams' chances. Eventually, I mean, when you look at the resume, Nagurski Award, Thorpe Award, unanimous All-American. A lot of people forget that Roy Williams finished number seven in Heisman voting his junior year. Should have been a lot higher than that. He was, I mean, he was that dude, but how much do you think having an elite pro career factors, and remember, Roy played a long time in the NFL and made a lot of money playing in the NFL, but a lot of people don't remember his NFL career that vividly right even though he was a really really good NFL player so I feel like sometimes that really factors in to voters minds maybe than it should Ted because this should just be about what you did on the college football field and not what happened in your NFL career which is probably a perfect argument for Josh Heipel as well right I mean Heisman runner-up national champion. A lot of people I know associate hype with his coaching career, especially with how things went at OU, but you got to remember this guy was AP player of the year, Walter Camp player of the year, sporting news player of the year, big 12 player of the year. I mean, he won all kinds of awards, but his was in such a short period of time, right? He had, you know, he had a solid junior year there in Norman and then had that special national championship season, so I don't know if he had a long enough run of success at OU to make it, but it was a good reminder that Josh Heupel was one hell of a football player.
1: No, he was. Um, I, I think a lot of the times, Josh Heupel unfairly gets compared to the quarterbacks that we see at Oklahoma the last three, four, or five years. Uh, whenever you look at the numbers because you know we remember at the time Oklahoma's offense just kind of burst onto the scene you know we're coming from the wishbone and the option stuff to all of a sudden airing it out and he's setting all these records left and right people are going crazy but you look back on the numbers now and they're like okay uh, those are those are decent numbers so I think it's unfair to view it at the same time you know um that was a new offense. There was very few people across the country that were running it. Um, you know, obviously it's been built on and built on and built on, and they're, they're bringing in different type of players to run through those offenses now. So I don't think it's fair to Josh Heupel to compare him statistically to some of the guys that, are, that have been at Oklahoma or just in college football in general recently. Here's the thing, though. Josh Heupel – came from a junior college, took Oklahoma, who was, in 98, I think they won four games. And then in 99, Not good. they go 7-5, and five, and in 2000, they win a national championship. Forget statistics. You know, uh, the guy just straight up got it done. He was the perfect guy at the perfect time for Oklahoma and for Coach Stoops to, to start his tenure with. The leadership, second to none. Uh, the work ethic, the confidence that he had. You know, he wasn't a Baker Mayfield, you know, dancing on the sideline guy. But I remember Josh Heupel would go out, if we're down in a football game, you know, he'd look over to the bench and, and give everyone a little wink before he, he went out there and went on a drive to put some points up. So the dude had a tremendous amount of confidence. Um, you know, I think, his, I think his arm and his delivery – uh, I think gets over scrutinized because he he used it to his advantage. You know, he didn't have an all out rocket style arm that you're used to. What does that mean? Mean he had to let go of the football a lot earlier, right? He had to read things a lot better to make sure that he could put it in the open spot. So um, I think what maybe he he lacked a little bit in arm strength, he made up for in savvy and football smarts, as you obviously head football coach right now at Central Florida and doing a heck of a job. So uh, I think Josh Heupel is fantastic. He's, he's what really college football's about, right? You can come from anywhere and lead a team to a national championship. Snow Junior College to play in uh, Florida State in the Orange Bowl in Miami and you know, holding the uh, crystal ball up. That's, that's what college football is all about.
0: I, I completely agree now I think it's going to be tough for Hype to get in, but it's just an honor to be on the ballot. I mean, when you think about the numbers for the College Football Hall of Fame, it it really is absurd. 5.4 million men have played college football. There are 1,027 players inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. You talk about an elite group, Teddy. I'm not good at math. I don't think that's this podcast' strong suit. But that is not very many guys when there's been a lot of guys to play this game in college. And for Coach Stoops and Roy Williams and Josh Heupel to just be on the ballot is such an honor. Now, I think we're both anticipating Bob getting right in. I mean, you're talking 10 Big 12 conference titles uh the natty there in 2000 two time national coach of the year like it it's a no brainer that bob gets in but i think it could be it could be really really tough for hype to get in but roy williams i think a lot of people uh, some sometimes gone by a lot of people kind of forget how revolutionary of a college football player that guy was i mean he was the first safety linebacker hybrid guy where you kind of were just like, okay, what position does this guy play? Now, you also – you got to give Mike Stoops and Brent Venables some credit you know, with how they used him, but he was he was so fun to watch when it comes to defensive players. Um, and let's be honest, that Superman play may just get him in the Hall of Fame, Teddy, if only I, some nerd wouldn't have caught that.
1: Uh, I was um... – it's glad that it happened as quick as it did because uh, talk about being the biggest dummy of all time. If you drop that football, right. And you know, it's second down or, or whatever, but no, uh, I I think Roy Williams is, you're right. Revolutionary, the way he played. I mean, here's what you got to remember. So in, in Roy's era, 2000, 2001, and this is more specifically 2001, not as much in 2000, but, you know, college football was still very run heavy, very pro style. Nebraska was still running the, um, the option. Kansas State running a lot of option stuff, a lot of power eye. So you had big, heavy personnel in in 2001 we almost exclusively played every formation grouping with nickel and the benefit that that gives you the versatility that gives you against all these different packages whenever you can you can stay in nickel for for all of that stuff is just it's 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 extraordinary because what people always want to do is they want to get you on play action well you've got a great cover guy there that's also Maybe your best run stopper, run player on the edge, an unbelievable blitzer, uh, just a, a, a physical force on the edge. Whenever you can keep him on the field in an attack position at all times, because w- what else would you do? Like if you're an offense and you want to take Roy Williams out of the game, what do you do? You go heavy, right? You make him where he's back there playing strong safety and you run away from him the whole time. They couldn't do that. We'd stay in nickel and keep him up there on the edge because we had the ability with him that. He was good, physical enough to, to play it at nickel, but still good enough to cover guys. So it gave us a ton of leeway to do a bunch of different things. And uh, the other thing is, we had, we had good depth behind him at safety that afforded us the ability to not have any holes right. when we kept him at nickel. So just the things that he did was, I mean, it was unbelievable. And by the way, special teams player. 2001, he's the best football player on the team. It's not even close. And he's on three. Special teams units. He's on punt, he's on kickoff, and he's on kickoff return. He was Three on kickoff return? Unit. Yeah. Oh, so my. Oh. Listen to oh. this. So, I went through this the other day. I, was, um, I had this in my notes from a long time ago, and we were talking about Roy Williams, and I went back and found it. I was watching a, a 2001 replay of a game at one point, point. I don't remember who, who we were playing, but listen to this punt team. The left wing was Andre Woolfolk. The left tackle was Trent Smith. The left guard was Jimmy Wilkerson. The right guard was Brandon Moore. The right tackle was Rocky Kalmus. The right wing was Roy Williams. And somehow they let me on the field that personal protector. It's is a, that a punt uh, team or what? That,
0: that's a that's a <laughs> solid punt team right there. Yeah, talk about that. That's back when all the good players played on special teams. Things well, have uh, changed just here's a little the other
1: bit. The thing too is, you know, we weren't very good on offense, so every single yard mattered. You know, if you're gonna give up seven, eight yards on a punt, you know, that could turn into a field goal. So it was it was played a little bit different uh defensively because of how how uh Lacking, I guess, is a way to say it, our offense was.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's one way to put it. Um, just a reminder, when it comes to the College Football Hall of Fame, players are eligible 10 years after the last season that they played in college football. They had to have received a first-team All-American honor by an organization that the NCAA recognizes, which leads me to something that I've harped on before, but it is an absolute joke that Teddy Lehman is not in the College Football Hall of Fame. I know you're not going to defend yourself, but you were that dude. They don't just give the Butkus and the Bednarik to anyone. I will officially, once again, start my Teddy Lehman to the College Football Hall of Fame campaign. Come on, do the right thing, National Football Foundation. What are we doing? Ray
1: Lewis, Julius Peppers, Lehman, I mean, all right there on the same level. (laughs)
0: Hey, when you talk college, come on.
1: Before the injuries, let's – Here's what I'll say, though. Um, I I think a lot of times, and you brought this up earlier, but, you know, you do have to remember, and in in Josh Heupel's case and Jason White's case and, you know, a bunch of other guys' cases, this is the College Football Hall of Fame. And I I do think that people – forget about people guys college career when they go on to the NFL and how great and you know there's some unbelievable players One you played against uh Manti Te'o. I thought he was going to be you know the next greatest inside backer playing the NFL and he's kind of disappeared it's just you never know what's going to happen at the next level you've got to have a great mix of all kinds of things and you know what? It's, it's definitely supposed to be about college football. And that's why I hope Josh Heupel gets in.
0: Yeah. Uh, good attempt at deflection, taking the attention <laughs> off yourself. But no, what no, no. What were no. we talking about? The, ca- again? the campaign to get Teddy Lehman in the College Football Hall of Fame will never end. Not to, uh, unless I stop breathing soon, that campaign is uh, rolling. Um, one other thing about the Hall of Fame Heisman Trophy winners should just automatically be in. I, I think that makes perfect sense. Just put them automatically in.
1: Right. Save, put them automatically in and save some space for the other guys, right? We can get someone else in there. Instead of wasting a spot in the class on a Heisman right. Trophy winner, you know, let's, let's talk about some other guys.
0: Yeah, just put it, what, like five years or something after they win the trophy, they're automatically in. Something like that. Ten How years. about
1: the day they win the trophy? Or the Why day? That <laughs> Just do it right away. Do it at that the Heisman Ceremony. Right
0: there. Yeah, why not? Um, okay, another piece of OU news before we get to the Chuba Hubbard and Mike Gundy drama. Uh, Nathan Rollins-Kabonga commits to Oklahoma. He is a 6'7", 250-pound four-star defensive end out of the state of Oregon. It is a nice win for Jamar Kane. If you have not seen this guy's highlights, He's pretty raw, but also extremely productive for a guy that just started playing football. Um, you look at it, he was committed to play basketball at Washington State, so clearly has some athleticism to, to him, and Lon Kruger told him he's got a spot on the basketball team if he wants it, so let's give an assist to Olan there, doing some uh, some cross-recruiting there for Lincoln Riley, but... Rollins Cabonga, I mean, this guy looks like he can be a dude. He's got the physical tools, Teddy.
1: No, he does. And um, a a couple of things. I guess Grinch and company were serious whenever they said they wanted to physically change the size of this defense, right? Because look at the guys that that we've uh, started to recruit. There is some giant players that they're bringing in here. So I thought that was interesting. And also uh, (laughs) – Did you, did you read what Alex Grinch said to him?
0: It's one, of the, <laughs> one of my favorite recruiting quotes I've seen in a while.
1: You can e- – eat. what was it? You can either uh, – You can either come to
0: OU or you can watch us play in the playoff.
1: That's right. It's that simple. And It reminded me of Switzer where he used to say you can come to uh, – if you come to Oklahoma, we're going to win a national championship. If you don't come, we're going to win a national championship. <laughs> so pretty, uh, pretty good there from Alex Grinch. Here's the one thing, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. There is a point of diminishing return, height-wise, on a football player. Um, you know, Agreed. there there are tall guys that are above six six that play defense. Calais Campbell. Um, you know, th- there's there's a handful of guys out there that are over that six six number, but it's rare defense you have to be low you have to be below guys to control them um if you can work on that especially getting in the game late uh you're probably going to have possibly some bad habits um who knows as long as he's been coached well maybe not but what do you think is is six seven is that a red flag at all for you for a d end i would always prefer
0: you know as as an offensive lineman give me the tallest guy you got now, I, I know that usually tall people have long arms, but I always preferred a taller guy as opposed to a short squatty guy. I, I was not very good at moving the short squatty. lot of surface area
1: block on the tall guys.
0: Yeah, but you look at 6'7", 250, and on the edge, you can use the length. The, the question mark comes when you know they attach a tight end, but that's not something they see a lot of. Right? Now I know that the kind of the H back tight end position has made a comeback, very prevalent in the Big Twelve, but you get a kid six seven, I'm sure he'll get up to two sixty-five in no time, and you let him use that length and you just really coach pad level into him. Give me a guy that's six seven and could have played college basketball any day of the week. We'll figure it out, right?
1: We'll Raw materials, it out. we'll, we'll coach mold him it. Up. As long as you use those the assets that you have, it's you've got no um, the margin for error, I'll say is a lot smaller the taller you get for right. staying low and playing low and not letting guys get into your yeah into give, your chest. give
0: me all the six, two defensive ends with six, seven wingspans. That's what I, I'm after.
1: Yeah, I don't know that uh, Freeney or Doomerville or any of those guys had many many problems out there on the edge. No. I, and Kelly Gregg, yet again, one of the reasons why Kelly Gregg is one of the most underrated football players ever is because nobody, nobody wants to block Kelly Gregg.
0: And, and I thought it was, yeah, I, I wouldn't even want to block Kelly Gregg right now. And it just sounds awful.
1: But um, blocking him Kabanga. is like a uh, is a term that doesn't really work. You just, just like try to get in his way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh the Rawlings Kabanga kid he also mentioned that he was wowed by the virtual visit and then it was unlike any other virtual visit
1: it's what you've that been talking about
0: and it's what we've been talking about oh uh, you the longer the dead period gets extended uh they're doing this virtual these virtual visits unlike any other program that I've seen so maybe they'll
1: be able to get another couple of kids we still got some players out there especially defensively a couple of four star guys that they've they feel like they've got a decent shot at um the uh, defensive back here in the state of Oklahoma um what is it the the Bags kid and some some guys out there on the west coast Arizona so there's still some some I know their class is constantly improving but there's still some pretty big name players out there that they're waiting to to see if they can swoop up
0: Yeah no doubt but seems like Alex Grinch is certainly targeting a different type of athlete for that speed D. Now, let's move on to the drama of the week, and it has been an absolute roller coaster in Stillwater the last couple of days. Chuba Hubbard, Mike Gundy, an OAN t-shirt, and all hell broke Loose Ted, we had Chuba's tweet saying he's not doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change. All his teammates back him up. Then there's this awkward video of Gundy and Chuba where Chuba's the one that apologizes for the way you went about it. And then they do this weird dap up, bro hug. I don't know what they were going for. Let's also not forget it's coronavirus season still. Then there's another tweet where he's saying, you know, don't get it twisted. Uh, I'm still pushing. And then it all gets topped off with the Gundy apology video. I have been waiting with great anticipation to record this podcast just to hear your thoughts on this entire situation. What the hell just happened in Stillwater?
1: Well – You had the intersection of all kinds of different stuff meet up at the absolute wrong time. Um, Gundy has kind of worn his politics on his sleeve here over the last year, year and a half, maybe two years, and he's waded into those waters. Uh, there's, There's no doubt about that. And whenever you do it, it comes with a big risk. You know, you obviously have a chance at offending fans, uh, offending players, offending bosses. Uh, so it's something that you just don't see a whole heck of a lot with with football coaches. Typically, you know, they play it right down the middle. You don't hear a whole lot one way or the other. You know, most coaches, you may be able to guess what way they lean, but you just don't know and quite frankly, in a job like his, that's the way it should be. Now, um, as far as the the first video with uh, Chuba and Coach Gundy, I'm no body language expert. You'll have to tell me. But uh, (laughs) did Chuba want to be there? (laughs) Did he look like he wanted to take
0: part in that video? I mean, that dude looked like he wanted nothing to do with that whole situation, and I don't blame him, but I I will say this, and Chuba apologized. Now, he didn't apologize uh, for what he said. He said he just went about it the wrong way, but he had to hold Gundy accountable, right? That's kind of a mix of a couple different statements. He did it on Twitter instead of face-to-face. It seems like he regretted that. I don't know if he regretted that all by himself or if there was some encouragement to uh, lead, kind of lead him to feel some regret. That's kind of how I was mm-hmm. reading the situation. But I think – and this is going to sound bad because I was always a let's keep it in the locker room type guy – I think the way he went about it was the most effective way. And I, I know that sounds bad because it's not bro code or guy code or almost against the code of a football team even in my mind. But it got so much attention because he took to Twitter. It would not have had the same impact on the country, on the program, on the fans, if he would have just had a face-to-face conversation with Mike Gundy, it wouldn't have been a big deal. No one we probably wouldn't have even known about it. Ted and instead, he puts a tweet out there says I'm not doing anything and it was the most talked about story on the planet. I
1: mean, you wouldn't even known the coronavirus existed unfortunately for Gundy uh it was Monday right no one had anything else to talk about right if you know if it's a Friday and you're going into the weekend maybe you can hide from it a little bit people are already
0: like six Will and Wiley seltzers deep and they don't even care
1: (laughs) but yeah it's Monday early afternoon so everyone is right in the middle of of their hot takes for the week so Yeah, the whole situation was crazy. Um, You know, Mike Gundy, knowing his position at the university, knowing his position in the state, knowing uh, the guys that he's in charge of, the guys that he's responsible for, uh, you know, shaping. These are young guys, 18 to 22. um, You know, you – You have to remember that in everything you do. If Gundy is an ordinary citizen, would an ordinary citizen deserve to be raked over the coals for wearing a a t-shirt with the news organization's name on it? Absolutely not. No way. But a guy in his position, he has to understand what that means and, and, and what comes with that. You know, I don't believe that because Mike Gundy wears an OAN t-shirt that he has to pledge allegiance to every word that ever comes out of anyone's mouth that's ever OAN. I don't believe that. Just like I don't believe someone who watches NBC or CNN or Fox News has to pledge allegiance to every single word that comes out of every person's mouth on that network. I don't think so. That's I think not he, really how it works. Right. So, you know, I, I mean, so that's kind of, that's kind of one of the problems today is there is no nuance. There is no discourse. It's like, it's all or nothing, you know, and it creates this environment that's, it's really toxic. That's really difficult to navigate. But back to the fact that Mike Gundy is a $5 million a year coach in charge of uh, a bunch of young men, a figurehead at the university, the face of a university, the face of a program, absolutely can't do it. And I do think it's funny. You know, a lot of Gundy's quotes recently have been about how social media is the worst thing in the world. It's destroying the world. It's ripping everyone apart. I think it's funny that he's at the lake, He's fishing, and it's a picture that's posted to Facebook, right, that is absolutely uh, brings probably the biggest panic that he's ever been through uh, in his career on top of his head. You know, had Mike Gundy just refused to allow something to be posted to the social media, probably wouldn't be in this mess right now, but um, couldn't keep, keep it from happening. They had to post it, so here we are.
0: Yeah, and uh, I did think – I know a lot of people are saying, well, he was just reading off a teleprompter for the apology. Listen, the guy apologized, and um, I I think it meant a lot to his players that he said, hey, black lives matter to me. Uh, I think that phrase right there meant a lot to his guys, and and it's going to be interesting to see if this makes Oklahoma State a closer football team, which which could make them a better football team this year. Because you you have an event like this, and sometimes that can make you a little more of a tight-knit of a group. But I I do want to talk to the people that were mad that he apologized. He didn't apologize for wearing a shirt. He apologized for something – that was associated with that network when it came to the Black Lives Matter stuff. But let me tell you why Mike Gundy's apology was the most intelligent thing he could do. A lot of people thought that he would not apologize. He has always unapologetically been himself and stuck to his guns and not really backed down from anything right that's kind of been the way he goes about things but there's nothing more important to a college football coach than your players because the fastest way to getting fired is by losing games and he was about to have a serious problem on his hands starting with his best player His Heisman caliber running back. Mm -hmm. Now, it may have only been a couple of guys this year, but if he wouldn't have apologized, what does that do to the future of the program? What does it do to recruiting? So, Mike Gundy probably weighed his options. I cannot apologize and roll the dice with some of these players and see how it affects my recruiting, or I can apologize get my players' support, make a couple of our donors and fans mad. But I'll live with that because guess what? Those people don't win you football games. I know that's hard for people to believe, but good football players win you football games and give you job security. And you can't lose your best players over a damn T-shirt So he goes, you know what? I'm just going to apologize. If it loses him some donation dollars, fine. He doesn't care. He wants to keep that damn job, making $5 million a year. He needs players. And guess what? Mike Gundy's not stupid. He knows that if he keeps his best players and keeps getting good players and keeps winning a lot of games, guess what? Those people are going to support him because fans support winners. Everyone forgets a lot of things that go on if you win games. Mike Gundy did the smartest thing he could have done. I know a lot of people, well, he didn't have anything to apologize for. Listen, it's what he had to do. It was the smart thing to do because it leads to him winning more football games
1: well and there's a couple of the things involved i mean you're exactly right you mentioned the money um if he doesn't apologize uh with what you were seeing from burns and 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 let's
0: also yeah let's also hope that he meant everything he said in that apology i want to make that clear i don't want to make it sound like gundy didn't mean those words that he put out there i sincerely hope he does. And I think he, uh, I think he does, but I mean, there's levels to this whole thing. And uh, I, I know where you're headed with that, with that uh, start there, Ted.
1: Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I agree with you that um, Gundy's not dumb. He, he knows that he has to uh, keep his team, but I also feel like he, he is sincerely sorry for, for what went down. Didn't think about it. Didn't think about the connection whenever he did it, like I don't even know the context in in how he wore the shirt like I I think it probably went as because he mentioned him before during a press conference I figured like it would be like one of those deals where you mentioned something like that and one of your friends goes and buys a t-shirt as a joke are, like, I, I, what happens if OAN
0: sent it to him like in a little care package
1: could have happened and you know he wears it he's going to the lake you know um doesn't think very deeply about it, and it's a mistake, and and doesn't doesn't realize that, you know, by throwing on that T-shirt, with the current times, that he's going to get looped in with anything that's ever been said on that network. It's just that's that's the, it's the way it's going right now in this country. So, um, but the the money situation is a big factor. You know, if 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 Mike Gundy made you know, whatever, $150,000 as the head coach at Oklahoma State, and he's set financially. He may, he may dig in on his principles and say, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, you know, I didn't mean to offend anyone, but it's a T-shirt, guys. He might have done that. But whenever you've got, I don't know, $20 million, he's locked into what, 24 or 25? Or he's got, like, the
0: best case. contract with the S- – yeah. he's like his – He's like his own boss. It's crazy. Which is yeah. which, you know, you kinda you kinda figured that after you saw the lack of support from Mike Holder and Burns Hargis. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So I mean, he he's got a lot of money on the line there. Uh, and you gotta pick your battles whenever you're gonna stick to your principles, I guess, whenever it comes to money like that. But you know, that's one end of it. Okay. The other end of it is this is Mike Gundy's Possibly the most talented, most experienced team that he's ever had at Oklahoma State. Now, I know the 2011 team had a bunch of stud players on it, and uh, maybe that team results end up better than than this squad's. Like we just don't know. I'm just saying that they got a lot of guys and a lot of like this is their year to do something, and he knows that. So you can either uh, stick to your guns over a T-shirt, get fired before the season or lose your team and have a terrible year, get fired after the season, and where are you going to go? Or you can apologize to the team, try and, try and keep your guys you know, locked in and focused and uh, make it a tight-knit group, go out, accomplish something big, uh, try and win a Big 12 championship, try and make a playoff, win a, a New Year Six, whatever that might be. And at that point, if you want to say, I'm done with it here, you can go out on a high note and maybe look for another job, but
0: my gun, would never do that.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Only every year. But if you stick to your guns, get fired over being connected, uh, with, with something that's viewed as racist, well, I don't know what the going rate is out there on the open market for a head coach that's got that going for him at the time. So with all of those things considered, it's really the only play. And I'll also say this, I don't necessarily know that Mike Gundy's out of the woods just yet. They put the video out and you know it seems like the team has been receptive to what he said, but I don't necessarily know that the hires up are. and at the end of the day, if this team is still – because there's no guarantee that everyone's just, you know, back to feeling all happy and giddy and, yeah, let's just go out there and work, mistake. I mean, there may be still a big group of guys in that locker room that are pissed off. So, I mean, for right now, it looks like they've smoothed things over, but I don't know that any of that's just necessarily guaranteed.
0: Yeah, and plus you've got the Alfred Williams story – kind of recirculating now him reiterating that you know back in what was it 1989 when Oklahoma State was playing Colorado that Mike Gundy used the n-word a lot in that game allegedly uh, according to Alfred Williams so uh, that is making its rounds again on social media so pretty interesting week for Mike Gundy and I know that They've been talking about changes taking place in that program. It's going to be interesting to see what those changes look like. I don't know if we'll know. Uh, I guess only the guys on that team and in that locker room will know if things actually change. But on the campus, I mean, Burns Hargis comes out and says that it, every, in all indications, point that Murray Hall there uh, in Stillwater is going to get renamed because it's named after William Murray, who was an. Uh, advocate of segregation and Jim Crow laws and we're seeing this all across the country Ted that um, if those people that those buildings are named after have connections to slavery or segregation that those buildings names are getting changed and it seems like that's going to happen in Stillwater so uh, this you're already seeing the effect kind of this entire situation going
1: on yeah and I mean it's it's really interesting you know I'm, I'm fascinated to see where this battle goes because college football players are across the country are realizing that they've got a lot of power, right? That they can, um, at, because of the times, because of what's going on, they can, they can get some things changed that they've wanted to change before. and if if people ag- agree with that and agree with those changes, you know, at, at the university, all thumbs up, they should do it. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The only people that have maybe the same amount or even more power is the fan base. And if you lose your fan base, if you turn off your entire fan base, then you could have some serious problems. Now, I'm not saying that they have, but it's going to be interesting. I mean, some of the – I don't know anything about the buildings at Oklahoma State. I don't know anything about all of that. But I don't want to know anything either. <laughs> right. Uh, but some people hold those those buildings in high regard and the traditions and the history, you know, and feel like, Just because the building is named after a guy who, you know, whatever his beliefs were at the time doesn't mean like we connect that building with racism and, you know, we're trying to, you know, embolden that here. So a lot of people feel that way. It's just it's interesting to me how this is going to play out, you know, across the country at some different places. You know, this is Oklahoma State. We're talking about the stuff at Texas last week with changing the the name. I mean these are some fan bases that are pretty conservative and kind of have been on the opposite side of these things in recent memory. We'll see how that plays. You know, I don't know that that keeps people from buying tickets, but it may
0: in my head, just change the damn names. just do it. I mean. Just do it, right? I, I understand the, thing, the historical like, aspect, but the connections know, are the connections, right?
1: Right. I know whenever I was uh, walking around the University of Oklahoma, I knew the names of the buildings, had no idea who the people were. If Zero you clue. If you would have changed it to building A, B, C, and D, I would have not known the difference. Maybe so. that'll
0: be the new format on college campus. <laughs> oh, my building, uh, my class is in building Z. <laughs> But
1: any, I guess.
0: But the letter Z doesn't give money to the university. So there's going to be names on buildings. <laughs> right. So fair point. Um, fair point. One note about the University of Tulsa. Uh, their athletes will start returning to campus next week. So hey, Golden Hurricane. We didn't forget about you. You're coming back. Let's I'm excited to see uh, some Tulsa athletes back there on campus. So that'll be fun. All right, Ted, let's move on to the national storylines. In college football. And these are all kind of under the same blanket of players using their voice, right? Um, There is an update at the University of Texas. UT's interim president, Jay Hartzell, said he'll be meeting during the summer with student athletes, regular students, and black student organizations to, quote, do better for our students and help overcome racism. Uh, That's after. Those student-athletes at Texas made their demands last week, like you mentioned earlier. So, once again, football players stepping up, using their voices, and getting some things in motion. Uh, I think this is the new normal, people. So, get used to it. Uh, This is here. It's here to stay. Another great example of a guy using his voice, Kellen Mann. A lot of people expecting a big season from him in College Station, well, he's using his voice. He's leading the charge to have a statue removed from Texas A&M's campus that has racist roots. So this is a common theme, Teddy, and it it, it makes all the sense in the world that these guys, once they learn the history of some of the buildings – that or some of the names that these buildings have on them, or these statues. Once they learn the history, they're not going to like some of these these things. So uh, they they've become very vocal uh, now. Players, black, white, every race, are kind of banding together and trying to influence change on their campus. I mean, I mean, you saw UNLV. I mean, they're headed in the direction of changing their mascot. They removed the hay statue. I don't think they're going to be the Rebels for very long, Teddy. So, I mean, players have realized the power they have. And if there is some sort of racist connection, whether it's a building or a statue, I think, I think a lot of this is going to change. I really do. I think that there's a ton of momentum right now in the country for this stuff, and there should be right? You you don't want your student athletes on campus looking at a statue of some guy that was really a proponent of slavery and segregation. I know that we can't erase that part of American history, but we don't need to glorify it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we need to glorify it. We, we don't need to pretend like it didn't happen, because it did, and it's a stain on this country. But I don't think we need statues of those people to remember them. Um, I, I'm on the side of these student athletes. I, I really am. It, it I know it's a com- controversial subject, but I don't get the people that are defending the statues and the building names so vehemently. I, I, I don't know why you'd be so passionate about something like that when it's connected to something as terrible as racism. I, I just it doesn't make much sense to me to make that your stand,
1: you know what I mean? Well, I get what you're saying. My question is where does it end? Like what what affiliation is okay is a statue of someone whose father had controversial stance Is, is that grounds for removal? Is it, um, you know, you can go back to the founders of the country, you know, are are we, I I guess, I guess I think taking George, George Washington off the money. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, I know what you mean. Honestly though, where's I, I don't know. I don't know where it ends. And if you go to a certain time period, um, you know, pre 1900, whenever, for right or wrong, it was kind of the it was it was the what was going on in the day. if you go back to that period, you're going to find people that had controversial stances okay and today we're talking about controversial stances uh, when it comes to race. If we fast forward a year, uh, you may have people that had a controversial stance against sexuality I mean our our society has constantly changed and it's not perfect, but in my opinion, we're constantly getting better. And right. if we keep going back to previous times and trying to hold everyone in those years to the standard that we are today, we're going to end up tearing everything down. I think that's just the one thing that people are, are hesitant about is where, where, where does it stop? And well, I don't know. Like I can I got tell no you one tidying.
0: thing: it yep. it doesn't stop at food products because Aunt Jemima's gone, Uncle Ben's gone.
1: I, you know what I'm saying? i I'm like, think, I don't know. I don't know where it stops. I really don't. Right. And I think that is what has has got people um. Defend like the defending of the statue doesn't necessarily defend of the stance that the guy in, on the statue had. One hundred and twenty years ago, so I think that's where everyone's hesitation is, but at the end of the day, like I said, I got no tie to any statue anywhere you know I just don't, but some people do and feel like it's uh it's a a slippery slope where we may end up you know tr- erasing or removing a, a a bunch of things that have you know kind of whether it's good or bad, tell the story of our of our country. <laughs> you dig into our country's history, it's not all going to be rosy, okay? And that's the same everywhere you go. You know, our society's constantly gotten better, and it's pretty much the case. Not everywhere in the world, but most places in the world, we're constantly progressing, and things that were okay a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 100 years ago, are no longer okay today. And I don't know that, going back and removing things changes that that progression, you know. But, you know, we'll see where it ends up.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what schools make those changes and then what schools don't. Uh, I think that a lot of people are going to be keeping tabs on that. Um, another big story in the National Scene of College Football, Chris Doyle has reached a separation agreement, which is just an absolutely hilarious way to phrase it. He's reached a separation agreement with Iowa. They're going to pay him $1.11 million to go away, and he gets health and dental benefits for him and his family for 15 months hey. to go away. So we, we saw a ton of former Iowa players and even current Iowa players come out and say that you know he had done things that they felt were racially insensitive, that, you know, comments that were driven by race. And we knew they had to do something. I uh, We discussed whether Kurt will be would be the one to go. We didn't think he would. And no surprise here, right? Um, you, you don't put up with this kind of headache for a strength coach. You just don't. So you cut him his check and move along. And you don't sue each other. There you go. Everyone wins.
1: I want to – be a fly on the wall though for those negotiations and see you know how we ended up on 15 months for the health and dental right i mean is that what was really holding up all the negotiations it's like how
0: strong do my teeth feel right now
1: <laughs> I, I i sense something coming down the line but hey um i'll tell you as a strength coach 1.1 million to resign after spending 20 years at a place he's probably walking away you know not feeling good, but not feeling like he's been totally destroyed. Um, so I don't know, I guess good for all parties involved, uh, Iowa uh, was able to separate themselves from him pretty, pretty easily. Uh, coach Ferentz came out and it with a pretty uh, stern stance on the whole, whole deal. And hopefully they can move past it. You know, that's, that's the only thing is, uh, You try and get past it, try and get someone else in and and move forward. Interesting to see what happens. You know, Iowa's one of those places that, let's be honest, out in the middle of a cornfield, okay? um, You can't, and, and they've actually recruited really well this year. You can't really have many hiccups without losing all of the momentum that you've got. And this is a bit of a hiccup for them. They've separated themselves. Hopefully it doesn't cost them. But the other part of it is, you know, Gabe, whenever you've got a strength coach that's been there 20 years and is ingrained in that team's culture and the way that they do things, it's not just let's hire another guy that knows how to, you know, pump up people's biceps. Yeah, and even, it works.
0: even a guy that was under him, right, an assistant, I think they ended up going with an assistant. It was been, been there a long time. I could be wrong, but yeah, it's, it's hard to replace a guy like that in your program. Now I don't think it's going to be impossible, but the bottom line is even though Chris Doyle clearly offended a lot of players at Iowa, he also developed a lot of two and three star guys that ended up going and playing in the NFL. So I've got a great
1: NFL pipeline, great pipeline.
0: Especially on the offense and defensive line. So someone's going to have to fill some big shoes when it comes to the strength development and the toughness development. I have a feeling they will go about it a slightly different way than Chris Doyle did, and that's a good thing. But, yeah, there's no doubt with the way that they've developed players there in Iowa City – it's going to be difficult, but they have to do it because they're never going to get five-star kids at Iowa. They're, they're just not. So they got to find a strength coach that can do things similarly from a physical development standpoint that Chris Doyle did. Uh, and then one last story in the national scene of college football, the six-week model, Teddy, the preseason model. We've talked about it a lot. On this podcast, it is official. It was officially approved by the D1 Council on Wednesday. And here is a little reminder of the breakdown some minor tweaks uh, in the approval. So, July 13th, required workouts will start for college football players. That's eight hours of strength and conditioning and film, but you can't do more than two hours of film. So, technically, You can go all strength and conditioning for eight hours and do no film. I think, is how I understood it. And then July 24th, we'll start the enhanced training camp. Remember, that's eight hours of strength and conditioning, six hours of walkthroughs, and then six hours a week of meetings. So that's that 20 hours, eight of working out, six walkthroughs, six of walkthroughs, six of meetings. So that's the same. Uh, But you do get a little more strength and conditioning time. Remember, we thought that it may just be six and two with the meetings. They've lumped the meetings together and given them eight for the strength and conditioning. And then August 7th comes around for training camp, and that's 29 days of normal training camp practice. There's been no adjustments to that. I know, Teddy, you thought they may add some two-a-days in there or something to try to steal some more practices, but they decided against that. So it's just going to be normal training camp for the guys starting August 7th. That schedules for the teams that kick off Labor Day weekend.
1: Yeah, those guys are going to be – they're going to be sick of each other by the time the end of that training camp rolls around. I mean, it's – a lot of this is the most similar to an NFL training camp just because of how long it is and the preseason and all that. But at least in the NFL, I know not this year, but – you, you get a chance to see some other guy, like maybe practice against a, a team or two. Uh, you get some preseason games to go out there and prepare for something a little bit different, see a different colored jersey. These guys are going to be grinding it out pretty much uh, starting the middle of July until September without seeing anyone else. It's going to be long. It's going to be it's carnage. Gonna be it is. It's, it's going to be tough. It's just, you know, like the – the enhanced training camp 8 hours of strength and conditioning 6 hours of walk through 6 hours uh a week of meetings i mean that's that's 4 hours a day of, up there of just like just grinding it out you know that's a that's a lot of time you know i, I like, have a feeling those walkthroughs
0: aren't going to involve much walking either they uh, really do
1: they really do
0: there's no helmets there's no pads but There, if I had to guess, from my experiences in the walkthrough realm, there will be contact. (laughs) There will be plenty of contact. But
1: I mean, that's an hour and a half of walkthroughs a day. Like, if you're taking, like, let's say with the strength and conditioning schedule, and I know it it probably wouldn't be the same. But if you did like a, uh, a, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, which is a lot of people do. I mean, you're talking about two-hour strength and conditioning workout. Hour and a half of walk through and an hour and a half of film.
0: Oh, you are much kinder than I would be as a college football coach. Remember, we it, 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 this is me putting my head college football coach hat on. We missed all spring ball, guys. We're walking through Saturday morning. You're not doing anything, right? Friday well, night,
1: you know, and that's a good point because. They only get they only have
0: to get two days off in that 14-day period. So you would assume they'll get one day off a week, right? Yeah. That day off is going to be Sunday, or some people may even do something messed up and give them the day off Monday. So that way you got something on Saturday and Sunday so the kids can't go out on Friday and Saturday night.
1: Yeah. Just saying. I mean – there's not going to be anyone in town on any of these campuses, you know, really, anyway. You know
0: they'll find something, Ted.
1: There's no doubt. But, I mean, I think that's a great point where they're going to be worried about these guys anyways and where they are, who they're hanging out with, you know, uh, yeah, trying to sure they're social distancing. Those
0: liability time. waivers that all these kids are having to sign or the pledges, whatever the hell you want to call it, that's one way to ensure that they adhere to it is – you say, oh, yeah, walkthroughs at 7 a.m. Saturday morning.
1: Follow. Actually, we'll have a quick run and then a walkthrough oh. at 7 a.m. Yeah. Let's get oh. out and beat the heat, guys. Come on. It's supposed to be hot in the afternoon. We be fine. Hey, <laughs> other teams will
0: be sleeping. We'll be working, big dog. That's right. God, I, I know that some coaches are going to do exactly what I just said. I, I know that they are because you can't trust 18- to 22-year-old College kids, you just can't. They're not the most reliable people on the planet Earth. Um, all right, Ted. Let's let's get to our segments. And since it is Thursday, you know we gotta wet the beak just a let's, little bit. Let's get it in. Um, so talk a little sports gambling here. And I am officially, since it, it is wet the beak, I am officially lifting my baseball boycott. Okay. I'm careful. I am, I'm a little scared to do it because, first of all, I don't really care that much about baseball, but there was some big news in Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred and the union chief Tony Clark had a very productive meeting, and then the league sent a proposal to the players for a 60-game season at full prorated salaries where the season would start July 19th. Um, There's reports that that would involve an expanded playoff format, and it's expected that the players will counter and they'll land somewhere between 60 and 70 games. So let's call it 65 regular season games. So I found some interesting betting lines on betonline.ag. How many games will be played in Major League Baseball's regular season? Here you go, Ted. Here we, we, we've got 50 or less at nine to four, 51 to 65 games at five to eight, and 66 or more games at 15 to four.
1: Oh, gosh. If I take the 51 to 65, I don't win any money. Um,
0: yeah, five to eight, not not exactly tremendous odds.
1: No, I, I would probably bet the 66 or more because I like the odds, but I don't think that's going to happen. I still firmly believe that baseball is not going to happen. Now, I know – we have to remember, two days ago uh, the commissioner came out and said, well <laughs> – I, you know, I know I said not weird, looking. He, he basically came happen, and said,
0: but... uh, "It's not looking good, guys. It's really right. not."
1: So I know all of a sudden that we've got optimism and there's a new offer coming out, but I still don't feel very good about it. I haven't felt very good about it to begin with. I feel like a, a lot of baseball players who have made a lot of money have said, "Ah, let's take the year off. I don't want to play. I really don't want to play." So I I think that they they still have a lot of things to work out. Um, if I had to bet it. If I had to lay some cash, I would go sixty-six or more.
0: Sixty-six or more at fifteen to four.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think I would. I would get suckered. I, I would. I, I think the fifty-one to sixty-five. I think it's gonna be sixty or sixty-five. I would just have to put up. I would have to put up the cash, Teddy. Yep. I'd. I'd have to risk it for the biscuit. I know it's. It's. You know, they're not great odds, but. all the all the uh, reports I mean Jeff Passon's saying that it's going to be 65 then I feel like it's going to be 65 or zero
1: (laughs) (laughs) right uh yeah that's that's the interesting thing there that's why you kind of like that 50 or less is you get that zero you know which is uh which is pretty important you get
0: 50 and you get zero
1: you know it's usually the odds are where they are for a reason I mean I'm not saying that Vegas is getting inside information on the negotiations. I'm just saying. All right, Gabe?
0: I wouldn't uh, – I would not be shocked. They know things. That, that's, uh, that's certainly something we know about Vegas. They, they know things. All right, one more line uh, to take a look at here during Wet the Beak, Ted, involves Colin Kaepernick. And Colin Kaepernick, very hot right now. Uh, In a lot of discussions, whether it's sports coverage, political coverage, Kaepernick's everywhere. But there was an interesting line on betonline.ag that said, will Kaepernick sign with a team before week one of the 2020 season? Yes is at plus 200. No is favored at minus 300. Now let's not forget Anthony Lynn's comments, the head coach from the Chargers, who said that teams would be crazy not to have him on their workout lists. Also, we saw Kyler Murray say he's going to kneel for the anthem, uh, which puts another prominent quarterback in a similar position to what Kaepernick was doing years ago. So do you think Colin Kaepernick's going to play NFL football this season or be on a roster before week one? Yes, plus 200. No, minus 300.
1: I I think it's a virtual certainty that he will be on a team before week one of the season. Um, Is he going to make it? Is he going to um, make the final roster? Is he going to play a snap of football in the regular season? I don't know about any of that, but he's going to get signed by a team. When you've got the commissioner of the league Oh, yeah, that happened. (laughs) Yeah openly saying that he needs to be signed to a team, then someone's going to do it. I mean, someone's going to do it for sure. Now, let's not forget, the guy hadn't thrown a meaningful pass in a football game for over four years, okay? So uh, it's been a long time from Kaepernick. Four years is a long time.
0: Michael Vick went to prison and came back. Fair point. And was pretty damn good. The reason I do think Colin Kaepernick is going to get side money, money. I think that if a team signs Colin Kaepernick, they will sell an incredible amount of merchandise. They will sell a ton of tickets. I think it's a good business play.
1: Which now, is completely opposite of last time. Right. Whenever owners didn't want to lose half of their fan base by signing them. I mean, it, it's a bottom line business. It's about money, and you know, before it wasn't worth the risk of pissing off half your fan base. Now things have changed, and where the league is, it's it's really not even a. I'm not going to say it's not a big deal, but it's it's not nearly what it was in 2016. I would I would also
0: be shocked if the Chargers signed him. Because didn't they just draft Justin Herbert with like the sixth pick?
1: Yeah. I, well, I mean, any—I mean, someone's going to sign him just to have him in there. You know, I right. Whether or not he gets an an actual uh, shot at the job is a different story. But you know, he's going to get signed. I, like I said, I think it's a virtual certainty. Uh, hey, even Donald Trump, Gabe said that Kaepernick. Um, should get a second chance if he deserves it. So there you go. Things have changed since 2016.
0: I, I think our man Donald also said that he's not in the league because he's just not up to snuff. It had <laughs> nothing to do with Nealon,
1: which is rather debatable.
0: But hey, it'll be interesting to see if Kaepernick gets back in the league. But yeah, I would. I I'd take those odds. Right. Well, it, will he be certainly. up
1: to snuff though? Will he make a team?
0: Yes, I I think he will. If if he gets it also does he want to play football right got a has bunch he, of money has he found like a bunch of meaning in his life you know doing the advocacy work um, i don't
1: know if he found a bunch of meaning but he found a bunch of dollar bills from the nfl in that settlement
0: yeah and the deal with nike i mean it's he doesn't need the money he's been he's been making right. a lot i i don't know i'm sure he can make a ton as a speaker as well i, I don't he's know right. maybe
1: I mean, I like football and all, but do I really want to go work through training camp to be the second-team quarterback somewhere?
0: Now, I know that the economy is where it is, and, you know, there's people that are in a recession, this whole thing, but how much money can he make just off speaking engagements in a year? I mean, we're talking millions of dollars, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I- I guess I I'm trying to think, you know. I bet teams would have him in. Like college teams always have motivational speakers. Um, businesses like to have motivational speakers in that are tied in from the sports world. And yeah, I mean, I I
0: think he. I would don't know. Be, I'm just. I would assume that he'd be able to rake in some cash just going and speaking in front of large crowds. It, it's just you, a guess. I could be wrong.
1: Now here's the other thing, like. I, I know we're in a we're in a different position than we were the last time around with Kaepernick, but you know he's had a pretty uh, he's had a uh, a pretty hard stance on a lot of stuff like or, or where he sits on some things. So I mean I I don't I don't know how willing he would be to go in and and even speak to some of these places. You know there if it's a good point. He's 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 had some some, some pretty serious stances on on where he lies on, really the country as a whole.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see, but give me give me the yes at plus two hundred. Oh, I like no that doubt. bet. No doubt. Um Ted. Let's move on to our winners and losers of the week. Like our man Toby Keith says, we got winners, we got losers. Ted, who you got as your winner of the week?
1: I'm going with the horse racing fans. I I mean, does anyone even realize that we've got the first leg of the Triple Crown coming up this weekend? We've got horse racing is back. The ponies? The ponies. How about that? Huge horse racing fan. Um, I'll be honest. I don't uh, have a really in-depth knowledge of this year's field. Um, I just came across that it's going to be back. I had forgotten all about it. This is the wrong one. We just time did a sports gambling
0: horse. segment and I didn't even mention it. So, yeah, right. I forgot about it too, bud.
1: But I came across it and I'm like, dude, we're back with horse racing. I'm actually pretty excited about it. Um, you know, it's just one more thing. We're slowly kicking off some of these things where it feels like we're getting back to normal a little bit. But the sports calendar this year is the strangest thing ever. And it's going to continue to get worse.
0: It's just going to be jam-packed, like July to December. I, by,
1: by the time things like get sorted out with baseball, we're going to have like uh, college football playoffs, NFL playoffs and major League baseball playoffs all at the same time.
0: <laughs> that's going to be I, I mean, that is going to be exhausting. It's going to be exciting, but as a sports fan, it's going to be exhausting if I have to not watch one. I'm choosing baseball, of course.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, I've, you know, I've made that choice, you know, unofficially pretty much every year of my life, so um probably be the same this year.
0: Now, if they would have started playing baseball like a month ago, I would have been watching. I would've been all we in. We all would
1: have Gabe, which is, you know, back to They missed
0: a golden opportunity. What is Rob Manfred? That guy's going to get fired so fast, right?
1: They missed a golden opportunity and they're going to end up Doing about what they agreed upon in March. And they missed all this time where nothing else was happening. They could have been playing baseball. Amazing. Oops.
0: All right, Ted, who you have as your loser of the week?
1: I'm going with Kyrie and Dwight Howard. Now, I don't know a whole lot about their stances on, on what exactly they've been saying, but I know that there's been some players and some former players that have been. Hammering these guys. Uh, Did you see Ed Davis from the Jazz talk about Kyrie and Dwight Howard? He said, I know Kyrie as a superstar that's made hundreds of millions of dollars has said that he's willing to give all his money up uh, to do things right. But would he really do that? I don't think so. And uh, it's easy for Dwight Howard to say what he's saying from his $20 million mansion in Atlanta. But there's a lot of players in the NBA who need this season just to get by, to make ends meet for the people that are dependent on them. So I think the NBA, some of those guys are saying to the superstars, shut up, let's go play some basketball and make some money. Make what we can.
0: That that sounds an awful lot like a professional football league that we may <laughs> have participated in, Ted.
1: <laughs> That's right. Exactly right.
0: And the report, that, and who knows if it's true or not, that Kyrie Irving allegedly suggested that the Nets just start their own league. When I saw that, I was like, Oh gosh. Oh, what are we doing? Well, Hey, I would love to see his plan. I would love to see his his business plan for the new league. I'm, I, I, I'm intrigued, but yeah, that didn't help anything, which is why
1: probably, uh, jotted it down on a napkin, uh, while he was smoking a joint or something somewhere whenever he hatched his plan to uh, let's just start our own league. I got it, bro. Which, hey. Own league. <laughs> if you could get every superstar in the NBA to agree to walk away from, you know, some of them have $45 million a year contracts to go just do it on their go own.
0: play in a league that has no corporate sponsors and no TV deal. You now you'd probably be able to strike some really good deals you'd but probably not the able deals to get the NBA some stuff have. going
1: but you'd have to get everyone not a couple of guys not uh, half of the guys you'd have to get everyone in order to get that to work and then you know and you're not just,
0: getting I don't know if Kyrie Irving knows this but you're not getting LeBron James because <clears throat> this just in LeBron James wants to own an NBA team he's not well, going to abandon the NBA
1: and I, you know, he's also chasing legacy, and I don't think being a MVP and a champion of the Kyrie League holds <laughs> the same weight as it does winning the NBA championship, like Jordan did, and and all the guys before him that he's trying to catch their legacy. Right? I just it doesn't seem to have the same weight.
0: The the best part of that entire story is that uh, supposedly, Kyrie Irving. Once that leaked out on Twitter, he left the group chat, (laughs) which is incredible, (laughs) which is amazing. Now, who knows if any of that is true. I like to think it's true because that'd be hilarious. I mean, it'd be so damn funny. Uh, All right, my winner of the week, Ted, NFL Pro Bowlers. Now, this just kind of flew under the radar a little bit with everything going on. It's kind of Mike Gundy's fault, honestly, Mm -hmm. but – The 2021 Pro Bowl is not going back to Orlando. Where is it going? Vegas, baby. The Pro Bowlers in Vegas. Now, there's going to be a series of community and charitable focused events directly benefiting the Las Vegas community that will take place during Pro Bowl week. I'm sure the players will be placed
1: in between the slaughter.
0: (laughs) I, I assume you're going to see an unbelievable amount of hungover NFL pro ballers at those charity events. And some of them will probably miss them. No longer do the best players in the league have to go to Orlando. It was cool when it was in Hawaii, Orlando, meh, Vegas. Oh, hell yeah. These guys are going to go
1: insane. You know, you may have to put them in the loser section too because I know you've heard some of the stories about the Pro Bowl and the bar tabs and the restaurant tabs and what goes on. I mean, so
0: Vegas can turn your
1: lights out on an expensive dinner and a, a expensive bar tab.
0: There's no doubt, but in my mind... I thought of that. I was like, okay, where have you spent the most money on planet Earth? Uh, Yeah, probably Vegas at points in time. I think a lot of people have been in that situation. But then I was like, you know what? They'll probably have sponsored events where they're getting like unlimited alcohol and stuff for free. So I don't think the dent is going to be as bad as you may think. I think there's going to be a lot of freebies in there. I could be wrong.
1: You may be right. Here's the thing, though. There's Um, no free strip clubs. I'll (laughs) say it. (laughs) That's true. I'll say it. (laughs) Not where I was going, but true statement. Here's the thing. You know, five years from now, when the Pro Bowl's in in Vegas, you may be right, but these big-money millionaire ballers are going into Vegas whenever – They've made zero money for the last four months and just barely starting to make a little bit now. Uh, they're going to do everything they can to bang these guys over the head while they're there. That's a great point.
0: I, I don't. <laughs> they, they may not get as many things comped as I am anticipating,
1: but we'll see. We'll Maybe, see. Maybe next year, if uh, if they take enough from the twenty twenty Pro Bowl class, then maybe the next year's class will get a couple of freebies.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see. But Vegas Pro Bowl, it it seems like a an absolute perfect match. Uh, I like it a lot. Now, Ted, my loser of the week, Woj, and this man rarely rarely takes L's, but Shams had all the scoop on the NBA, and Woj was nowhere to be found. I mean, Shams had everything, the NBA bubble details. He talked about the hotels, you know, that the the places that they're staying is based on seating. He was telling us the Grand Destino, the Yacht Club, the Grand Floridian, which is where the Thunder is staying, which I've been told is very, very nice. But then he's talking about the twenty four hour VIP concierge, the players' lounge with all the all kinds of games, pools, barbers, manny petty people cause you know you got to take care of your nails if you're a professional athlete. You also get to write that stuff off fun fact yoga instructors, a dedicated culinary team from Disney mm. talk about movie screenings, and then a little bit of talk of DJs and comedians, and Shams is putting all of this out there, and still nothing from Woj. And then Shams gives us the game day schedules for guys, the safety and security protocols. He even tells us about the snitch hotline, Teddy. Shams is telling us, you can snitch on other people, and Woj, silence. I couldn't believe it. Shams scooped the whole thing. Woj's got to be my loser of the week. I, I've never seen a bloodbath like that.
1: It's painful. It's like the '92 Dream Team going and winning the gold and leaving Isaiah Thomas at the house, right? I mm. mean, it's it's the changing of the guard. It's like when Jordan went in and beat Magic for the championship. Uh, I I don't know what you do at this point. It's almost painful to watch, quite frankly. I,
0: I was stunned. I was stunned. I was like, look at Shams, just Which, murdering this man on Twitter.
1: Have we is are we sure that he's okay? Has he done a welfare he, check yes, recently? Yes,
0: he, he has tweeted since. He talked about Woj has talked about the safety and security protocols, and I guess the NBA coaches union a little concerned about. Maybe some things they're trying to put in place, but.
1: Oh, God. He's reduced to <laughs> tweeting about the coaches' union? It's, oh, my it's God. It's bad.
0: Woj. It's bad for our man Woj, but I, I got to feel it, he'll bounce back. You know Is what? A,
1: who's, the, who's the best breaking news guy in the, uh, the G League or, or the D League? Oh, uh, oh come on. Don't there. disrespect
0: Woj like that. Oh, Too
1: hard. Okay. Fair man. Enough. <laughs>
0: that's rough that's rough all right teddy let's finish up like we always do and that is with keeping it local where we highlight what's going on in the great state of oklahoma and so there's a lot going on in oklahoma but a lot of it is very political so i I was kind of like you know what we can talk about some of these coronavirus numbers increasing we can talk about the trump rally in tulsa and know what people are going to attend are they going to wear masks are they not are there really going to be a million people there but that was a little too political i for will my say though,
1: at about three thirty, four o'clock on monday after the oan t-shirt ordeal i was thinking hmm there's a decent chance that if Gundy on stage (laughs) yeah if mike gundy gets fired from this deal he's going to be on stage with donald trump in tulsa uh which would have been
0: amazing but
1: (laughs) but we're gonna we're gonna steer clear of that and we're gonna talk about
0: a fun story we're gonna talk about a really fun thing that's the rodeo
1: ted are you big rodeo guy I wouldn't say I'm a big rodeo guy. Do you I like have... drinking and yelling? Yeah, I do. I like watching, um, I like watching the bulls toss these guys off. Uh, I've followed it loosely over the years. I've got a decent knowledge of some of the best uh, the bulls and bull riders out there. Have you ever been on a bull, Gabe?
0: Hell, no. No, I would never get on a bull. People get injured. People, people die. I don't possess – first of all, I'm way too big to try to ride a bull. What are you, what are you talking about?
1: Yeah, people get injured. People die. Coming from a, a, a guy that played – how many years of football? 15? Too uh, many. Eight, 18 years of football where people get injured and die. But, okay, just asking. It's
0: – those animals – I mean, whew, no thanks, but big news for the state of Oklahoma this weekend because the Bob Feist Invitational, a lot of people know it as the BFI, which normally takes place in Reno, Nevada, is moving to Guthrie because of the coronavirus. It is going to be a five-day event, or normally it's a five-day event, for amateur and professional team ropers there in Reno, and it is going to be June 20th to 24th at Lazy E Arena in Guthrie there's going to be 700,000 dollars in prizes for the competitors. You can see 25 time gold buckle winner Trevor Brazil, he'll be there. There's going to be a lot of Oklahoma ropers there as well so you can support the local guys. Now Lazy Arena is going to be 50% capacity, but there's still tickets available. So, if you want to go see the BFI from the 20th to 24th, Teddy, jump on it and go see the best Ropers in the world. Uh, they they compared this to, like, I don't know, getting a conference championship game or something. It's, it's a huge deal from what I understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's pretty cool. Roping is a difficult game. Um, you got to be really good. You got to be really fast. Uh, you got to be good on a horse. You got to have a good horse. So it's pretty cool. Uh, if um, if I didn't have previous plans, I would consider doing that. My son would probably love to see a rodeo. But the Lazy E Arena, really cool, historical, uh, great venue in the rodeo game. So good for Guthrie bringing something to town. It's a big deal.
0: Um, Pump some money there into Guthrie. Go Blue Jays. Go Blue Jays. Um, All right, Ted, let's finish up with a Twitter question. This one comes from at Blake Bookman1 on Twitter. He says, uh, with the kid from Oregon that committed to the Sooners having an offer from the basketball team, he's got a question. Who was the best basketball player on the football team while you were at OU?
1: Boy, um, I'm trying to remember who the best was. I feel Rollins like... Rollins
0: Kabonga. That's going to be a lot of fun to say for us on the radio call. Rollins
1: Um
0: Hope I'm saying that right. If not, sorry to the Rollins Cabanga family.
1: Um, I don't know. I feel like Antonio Perkins was, was good. I know he could fly. Um, as far as skilled, maybe not, but that's a, that's a good one. You know, Jason White was like a unbelievable basketball player, like a McDonald's All-American style basketball guy. So he was a huge basketball player. Maybe Jay White.
0: Really? I think that's that mine, mine's kind of random, but jazz Reynolds was a really good basketball player. We played against each other in a U ball growing up he played there in Houston and he was he was always really good I know we went to the huff to play a lot and then Jordan Phillips surprisingly good basketball player skilled for a yeah. big man I mean for a 300 Dude, plus pound guy
1: he would be tough to handle down on the the low block and in the paint.
0: yeah see that wasn't his game though he was like nope. I'm a shooting guard he, he he kept it on the perimeter. Uh,
1: he's a big guy that felt like he was a
0: guard. I mean, you know how it goes. But, yeah, those are the two that immediately come to mind. I'm sure I'm forgetting. I think Broyles was a really good basketball player, but I'm not sure I ever saw him play. Um, I could have just made that up. I don't really remember. But I remember Jazz being really good, and I remember Jordan Phillips having some skill for a big fella. And I think he did some pretty good things there in the state of Kansas in high school as a basketball player. So,
1: that's the best we got. I mean, that,
0: those are our answers, I final so. answer. I,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a – I need to come back to this at some point with uh, Jason White's credentials on the, uh, the basketball court because I know he was really, really good. Um, but I feel yeah. like he, he was like I – th- I know he made some of those, whatever the national All-American teams are, I think. That's
0: so. impressive. I, did, I, had, I had no idea. You're, hey, get the research team on that and we'll uh, we'll bring it up next time jason white comes up sound good okay good talk. i love it get the number crunchers on it all right well ted episode 17 in the books we'll have a new podcast that will drop monday morning just a reminder you can hear teddy from two to six on sports talk 1400 you can hear me on sirius xm big 12 radio channel 375 you can also sponsor the podcast so hit us up at the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com if you're interested in a sponsorship we hope you all have a great weekend and until next time we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do Oklahoma take care of each other
1: mm